You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Grab your Bibles, if you would. Look with me to the book of Haggai. You can take your sermon notes, if you would like, to follow along. This is our third week in uh, the book of Haggai. I want to begin again this morning with a question for you, so we can kind of all get on board. Thank you. When you hear the word obey, or you hear the phrase, you must obey, what thoughts come to your mind? When you hear the word obey, let's be honest this morning. Remember, we are in church. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. We said it when we were kids, and we're still saying it today as adults. Obey, or you must obey. Isn't there something that just kind of makes our back stiffen a bit? There's something within even our redeemed selves, even within our human nature, there's something that's just, um, when we hear that word obey, it kind of stirs something within us. I think today in our culture, we often have negative connotations in relation to the concept of obedience. Like we think, we think of obedience as limiting our lives, or obedience keeps me from doing what what I want to do, or, or obedience is restrictive in that it robs us of freedom. Now, I believe Christians, Christ followers, often perceive obedience to God as like some test designed to see if we're really committed to Him, or, or like some rules to keep us from having fun. But this morning, I want to challenge your thinking with this idea, what if, what if obedience is designed as God's way to give us what's best? What if obedience is the pathway that God might bring his best into our lives? What might happen if we saw obedience as actually the way to opportunity? What, what might happen if we saw God's direction for our lives as a way to bring his best for our lives? You know, what we discover throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is that following God's ways opens the door to God's work. Following God's ways, obedience, opens the door to God's work. So obeying God does not limit our lives. It actually opens our lives to possibilities. Obedience positions us to experience God and His work in a greater way in our lives. Simply stated. Obedience. There's a humorous story. Humorous story of a boy who turned 16 years old and and uh, he approached his father and he says, hey, dad, when I get my driver's license, can I drive the family car? Yeah, his dad said, well, you know, son, driving the car, I mean, that, that requires maturity. And said, there's, you know, you need to prove your maturity that you're able to drive the family car. Says, there's three things that I want you to do. Says, first thing I want you to do is I want you to bring your grades up. They are absolutely unacceptable. Second thing you need to do to kind of prove your maturity is you need to read your Bible every day. The third thing you need to do is you need to get that haircut. It looks outrageous. So the, the boy, anxious obviously to, you know, not just get his driver's license, but actually to be able to drive, began fulfilling the task that his father had identified, knowing that the last one might be impossible. So when his grades came in, he was all excited. He, he took his report card to his dad all A's and B's. 
He says, Dad, look at my report card. And the dad applauded him for the success of his report card. And, and, and the son says, well, can I drive the family car now? And he says, well, you're actually only one third of the way there. He said, have you been reading your Bible? And the young man said, I've been reading my Bible every day. He says, well, you're two thirds of the way there. He says, when are you going to get that haircut? At this point, the boy actually thought he could outsmart his father. And he says, well, I, I don't know why I have to get my haircut to drive the car uh, like Jesus had long hair, didn't he? And his dad says, that's right. And he walked everywhere he went. <laughs> the obedience opens the way to opportunity. Think about that. Obedience opens the way to opportunity. Hey, God gives us commands to help us, again, to arrive at his best for our lives. Then we choose, and here's the problem, we choose whether we obey or disobey. In other words, his commands are for our good and for our benefit, but we have a choice to make. You know, if, you have, if you're a parent, parent, maybe you're in the grandparent season now, but if you're a parent, you have directives for your children, or you had directives for your children while they were in your home, right? You have directives like you have to brush your teeth. It's not, a, it's not optional. It's, it's a directive. It's a command. Or you must complete your homework before you watch TV. What's that? That's a, that's a directive. It's a command. Or you must go to bed by 9 o'clock. Now, as a parent, you were not creating these rules and guidelines to harm them, right? You were not creating these rules and guidelines because you wanted to rob them of fun. From your life experience, you created the guidelines for their good. Or we might say it like this, because you love them, what do you do? You give them guidelines that are actually for their benefit, that are, are for their best. And I think in the same way, God who loves us gives us guidelines. He gives us rules. He gives us directives, not for our harm, but for our benefit. And again, we get to choose whether we obey or whether we disobey. If we choose to obey, we position ourselves for God's work in our lives. If we choose to disobey, then we experience the consequence of that choice. But every day we get to choose. What, am I going to obey or, or am I going to disobey? Now to get us all on the same page this morning, I, I want to give you a, a definition of biblical obedience. I think it's there in your notes. It's on the screen. Biblical obedience means this. It means to hear, to trust, so, to submit, and surrender to God in His Word. Biblical obedience is simply this. It's choosing to follow God's ways. In other words, you're not just choosing to go do what you want. You're not choosing to go your own way, which oftentimes is in conflict with God's way, right? That's what gets us in trouble. Are you with me? At least nod your head for your neighbor this morning. That's what gets them in trouble. But when we choose to go our own way rather than biblical obedience, which is following God's way. I mean, that's what happens here, going back to the book of Haggai. It's what happens to the Jewish people. But they did not follow God's way. Therefore, God sends this prophet to confront, to confront their disobedience. In the last two weeks, what we discovered is things were not going well for the Jewish people who had returned from exile. As I said last week, they were experiencing a drought in every area of their lives. They were experiencing what I would call diminishing returns in their lives. And the root problem, the root problem we talked about last week is they had misplaced priorities that they were trying to cover up with excuses that led them to disobedience. Now, I know you would never do that, but the Jewish people had that problem. 
misplaced priorities, cover-up scheme of excuses that led them to blatant disobedience. So the prophet Haggai is sent by God, sent from God with a word from God to confront their disobedience. And the good news, the good news we're going to see is, as we read on this, read on in this unfolding story, is that the Jewish people chose to obey. That's good news. Haggai brings a word of correction, a bit of a kick in the seat of the pants, and they say, oh, that's right. Let's do what's right. Let's do what God directs. So if you have your scripture, we're still in chapter 1. We're going to read verse 12 this morning through 15. Then Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. So what did they do? They obeyed the voice of the Lord. And fear here is not in a negative connotation. It's that of um, a worship of God, an honoring of God. Verse 13, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. Notice, if you have your own Bibles, you might want to underline that phrase. God says what? I am with you. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. And don't you love it when a story goes from bad to good? And that's what happens here for the Jewish people. But before we talk about the gain, let's talk about the pain. Because that's what happens when we choose to obey. Uh, excuse me, when we choose to disobey. But it opens our lives to consequence. So God spoke through the prophet Haggai, revealing the cost and the consequence of the Jews' disobedience. Because they had neglected the, the word and the work of the Lord, they were experiencing the pain of their disobedience. They were experiencing the consequences of their choices not to obey. And what was true for the Jewish people then, hear me, it's still true for us today. When we choose not to obey, when we say, God, no, I'm not going to follow your way. I'm going to go do what I want. That's called disobedience. Uh, there's always a consequence. Matter of fact, Paul, I think, summarizes it well in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Listen to how the scripture reads. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, that's disobedience, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who, one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. This is the simple, the simple principle of sowing and reaping. We'll all understand this, right? Sowing and reaping. If you sow corn, you get corn. You don't get green beans. You get corn. If you sow wheat, you get wheat. You, you get wheat. You don't get watermelons. You get wheat. Why? Because you sowed wheat. In the same way, what Paul's saying here is if we choose to sow obedience, we get the blessing of obedience. If we choose to sow disobedience, then we get the consequence, we get the judgment, we get the pain that comes with it. There's always, there's always a cost for disobedience. And we've seen this playing out for the Jewish people. 
In the prior weeks, in the last two weeks, we've talked about the consequence of their choices, the consequence of, of their disobedience. And we see this playing out. I mean, there's three things that happen in this story. First, God, God has withdrawn his favor. And I would say the same thing happens in your life. Again, don't separate yourself from the story. Put yourself in the story. What happens when we choose to disobey? God withdraws his favor. If you look back to verse 9, verse 9, God says, What you brought home, I blew away. Interesting. What you brought home, the goods you brought home, I blew away. That's basically saying God's working against them. God's not working for them. What he's withdrawn his favor as a direct result of their disobedience. Not only is there the withdrawing of of God's favor, but as a result of their disobedience, they were experiencing a drought in every area of their lives. And again, I believe the same happens for us. What happens when we choose to disobey? We experience drought. In our lives. We looked at verse 6 in depth last week, so I don't want to spend a lot of time there this morning. But basically, if you go back and read verse 6, the Jewish people were unfulfilled in every area of their lives. They were striving, but they never had enough. Well, they were unfulfilled. They were looking, they were searching, they were unfulfilled. Why? Because of disobedience. They were experiencing a drought in their lives. Again, the same thing happens in our lives. When we choose to ignore God's direction and we choose to go our own way. What happens then is we open our lives to pain and regret. Because again, there's always a cost for disobedience. Just as the Jewish people were experiencing pain as a result of their prolonged disobedience, so the same will happen in our lives. But the good news this morning is this. We don't have to stay on that path. And that's what I love about this story. There's this hinge point. And the hinge point came when the Jewish people said, hey, we're going to do what God's directed. We're going to move from a place of disobedience to a place of obedience. And we see this dramatic change that happens as a result of their obedience. If you look back to verse 13, God responded to their obedience basically, basically by saying, I am with you. In other words, I'm for you. I'm working for your good. Matter of fact, it's interesting to contrast verse 9 to verse 13. In verse 9, God says, what you brought home I blew away. In verse 13, he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to work for you. And the difference is between the place of disobedience to the place of, of obedience. That was the change that happened. This dramatic 180 degree shift all happened because of their obedience. Like the Jewish people chose God's way over their own way. They chose the right way over the easy way. They chose obedience over disobedience. And as a result of this, God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to work for you. So like, this is a setup question, but how many of you would say this morning, like, I want God with me. I want God for me. And like, like everyone in the room today would say yes. Everyone watching online would say yes. So how do we get there? It's through obedience. Now is the time for obedience. Hey, I believe that obedience is, is the best choice it's obedience that God desires, and it's obedience that God rewards. And I want to give you quickly, as I wrap this up, four, re- four reasons why this is true. Four reasons why obedience positions us for that which is best. The first is this, obedience is an act of worship. 
It's more than just a decision. In your decision, you're actually worshiping God because you're choosing, get this, you're choosing to go God's way, not your own way. You're choosing to say, God, what you want has greater priority. It has greater place in my life than what I want. I'm submitting my will to your will. What is that? It's worship. We're honoring God. You know, there's an interesting story in the Old Testament, you can, you can read the whole story later. I want to just quickly summarize it for the, the sake of time. But it's found in 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15, God says to King Saul, the first king of Israel, king, to King Saul, here's the directive. I want you to go and destroy the wicked Amalekites. Because of their wickedness, because of their action against me, I'm bringing judgment against them. King Saul, here's your directive. Go and to- totally Totally destroy the Amalekites. So Saul gathers his army, and he goes on this mission that God's given. And if you read this story, like they attacked the Amalekites because God was working for them. There's a decisive victory, yet King Saul and his men kept the best of the livestock. They kept the best of the, of the plunder for themselves. And it's interesting, also in this passage of Scripture, it says, Then King Saul went and build, built a statue in honor of himself. Like, what's going on here? Because of Saul's disobedience, God sends the prophet Samuel to confront him. Almost like the prophet Haggai is confronting the Jewish people here, God sends the prophet Samuel to say, I want you to go and bring a word of correction for King Saul because of his blatant disobedience. And I want you to listen now. The scripture reads 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Samuel says to Saul, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. Samuel here was making a clear statement as to the value of obedience and how our obedience honors God, how our obedience is worship to God. So how does this play out? Let me, let me just give you a couple examples. When we forgive others in the same way we've been forgiven, we're worshiping God. Are, are you tracking with me? When, when we honor our parents... We're worshiping God. When we tithe, we're doing more than giving money. We're worshiping God. When we love our enemies and when we pray for those who persecute us, we're worshiping God. Why? Because we're doing what his word directs. When we choose not to engage in sexual relationship before marriage, why? we're worshiping God. Why? Because our act of obedience is that That brings honor to God. So obedience is an act of worship. Not only is it an act of worship, but our obedience, our obedience to God proves our love for Him. You know, there's, there's ways that you can test the authenticity of an object. Right? But for example, if someone came to you with a, with a nugget of gold and they wanted to sell you a nugget of gold, there's actually proof tests that you could put that gold to to find out if it's like real gold or not, right? Or if someone was trying to sell you a diamond 
there's proof tests that you could apply to that diamond to determine like if it's the real thing or if, or if it's a fake. You don't want to be taken advantage of, right? There's, there's proof tests to prove the authenticity, the quality of objects. What the scripture would say is that proof of our love for God is this. It's our obedience to him. In other words, it, it, it's conflicting to say, I love God, but I'm going to do my own thing. I love God, but what he says really doesn't matter. That, that's conflicting. Why? Because proof of our love for God is what? It's our obedience to him. Listen to how John chapter 5, verse 2 and 3 reads. Remember, it's on the screen. Let's read this together. Would you read this with me? This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God. Notice, to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. So this is love for God. What? To obey his commands. And then Jesus, Jesus himself in John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. So our obedience to God's directives comes as a natural outgrowth. It's a natural outflow of our love and gratitude for the goodness of God. Because we love God, we obey God. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Not because we have to, but because we want to. So our obedience is, is this statement of our love to God. And then as we, as we obey God, it positions us to live in God's favor. You know, over and over again, we read in the Bible that God blesses and rewards obedience. Really simple. What does God bless and reward? Obedience. I mean, listen to what he said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. He says, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. See, the blessing connected to obedience. In Luke 11, 28, Jesus said, but, he, but even more blessed are all of those who hear the word of God and put it into practice, who hear and put it into practice. Obedience connected to blessing. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 28, we have a chapter that clearly reveals that the blessing of God uh, excuse me, that clearly reveals the blessing that God will bring when we live our lives in obedience. And I would encourage you sometime later today to read the whole of Deuteronomy chapter 28. But I want you to catch the flow of how God connects obedience to that of his favor, obedience to that of his blessing. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1 says, If you fully obey the Lord your God, and carefully follow all his commands I give you today. The Lord God will notice, set you high above all nations on the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if, it's conditional, if you obey the Lord your God. Verse 3 goes on to say, you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land, and the young of your livestock, and the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in, and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They'll come at you from one direction, but they'll flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. 
I said, our God is a God of blessing. Our God is a God of goodness. And what opens the way for his goodness in our lives? It's obedience. Obedience. It's, it's kind of like, I think probably everyone here in your home, in the kitchen, there's a faucet at the kitchen sink. And maybe you have a faucet at your kitchen sink. Let me tell you what your faucet is. Your faucet is a control valve. It controls the flow of water, right? You can get a drip, you can get a trinkle, you can get a full flow. It's a control valve. And it's, it's, it, the amount of water that's dispensed depends on where you set the control valve. And if you can think of it like this, obedience is kind of like the control valve. Disobedience closes the valve. There's no flow. But as we choose to live in obedience to God, it's like turning the control valve full open. And there's this free flow of water into the sink. So there is a free flow of God's favor and blessing in your life. That's what Deuteronomy 28 says, as we connect it to obedience. Meaning we simply do what God directs us to do. So here's the question for you. Do you want God's blessing in, his, in your life or do you want his judgment? His blessing or his judgment? Obviously, we want God's blessing. But to, but to discover and experience his blessing, we have to choose to follow his ways. Not only does obedience position us to live in God's favor, here's the last statement. Obedience opens the way for God to work through our lives. God's work through your life happens when? When you align yourself to his word and his way. Obedience positions us to be a vessel that God can pour through. Obedience positions us to be a tool that God can use for his purposes and our good. Obedience positions us like to be a conduit that God can flow his power through. C.S. Lewis said it like this. Obedience is the key that opens every door. Opens every door. So if you want to experience the pleasure of God, if you want to experience the provision of God, and if you want to experience the power of God, if you're here today and you say, yeah, I'm interested in that. I want to experience the pleasure of God. I want to experience the provision of God. I want to experience the power of God. Then all of that's connected to obedience. Now is the time for obedience. Now is the time to say, God, I want what you want, not just what I want. I want your agenda, not my agenda. I want your way, not my way. Because I think there's something within all of our human nature that is a bit challenging. That's when we hear the word obey. That's why our backs stiffen a bit. It's true. And therefore, oftentimes, I think we find ourselves Rather than positioning ourselves to live in God's favor, I think we find ourselves a bit like the Jewish people in Haggai. And that God was working against them, not for them. Again, all because of their disobedience. And my question to you today, is there an area of your life that you know you've been living in blatant disobedience against God? Is it, no one needs to tell you because you already know. Could it be 
that that choice in your life is limiting the very thing that God wants to do and the very thing that you want God to do in your life. Just this week I had someone in my office who was telling me all of these stories about how everything was going wrong in their life and where's God and you know, every once in a while, I think you, you have to bring people a, a prophetic, corrective word. And I, I said this with love. It wasn't sarcastic. It wasn't a punch. But I said, you're exactly where you're at because of the choices you've made, and you're trying to blame it on God. And oftentimes, that's what happens in our lives. We point our finger at God and say, God, it's your fault. God, why are you not acting on my behalf why are you not moving in my life where are you God could it be could it be that you've chosen not to follow God's ways therefore you find yourself where you're at not making an accusation I'm just asking a question friend now now is the time for obedience amen would you pray with me Lord Oh, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, that you are good and you want to bring good things to our lives. God, I believe that. We see it revealed throughout Scripture. God, you're, you're, not, you're not some entity sitting on a throne waiting to zap us when we mess up. No, God, you're a good Father who wants to bring good things to our lives. But, Lord, what I believe is that oftentimes, like the Jewish people, we close the valve on the flow of your blessing. We restrict. We restrict what you would want to bring in our lives. Lord, what's very clear in Deuteronomy 28 is you want to bless us going out and bless us coming in. You want to bless the fruit of our womb. You want to bless our crops. You want to bless, God, Lord, every area of our lives because you're a good God. So, Lord, this morning, like the Jewish people, we take a moment just to repent. we ask that you would forgive us for disobedience whatever that may be in relation to God it could relate to so many areas but for those watching online for those here present if there's an area in your life right now that you know you've been living in blatant disobedience before God this is a great opportunity just to get right before God God forgive me God, forgive me for choosing my own. Forgive me for my rebellion. Forgive me for choosing my way, God, and avoiding your way. God, I thank you that you're merciful this morning. And your word says your mercies are new every day. So I thank you for that. And Lord, this morning we would ask now, I pray for everyone in the room, myself included, Holy Spirit, help us on a daily basis to honor you through obedience, to honor you in our lives, to position ourselves, Lord, that we might live in the flow of your work, your favor, and your blessing. Help us to live that out every day, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.